0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Focal Point. Today, I am kindly joined by uh, Yuri. Um, Yuri, how are you doing today? Yeah, really good. Thanks for having me on on the show. So, just to get things started, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners, just so they have an idea of your background and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Yuri.
1: Uh, I'm originally from Armenia, which is a country... Some of you might have heard of. Uh, It's a very small place. I left or my family left Armenia in the early nineties and I grew up in the West, uh, mainly in Denmark in Copenhagen. Uh, And then I made my way over to the UK to study at university. I sort of spent three years at Cambridge and I actually spent one year at LSE doing my masters, which now seems a long time ago. And it was sort of from LSE where I started applying for various jobs. And it was kind of during the last financial or last crisis. Um, so I have a bit of experience and sympathy with a lot of you out there that are trying to kind of land jobs during this quite difficult environment. So I applied a lot uh, and I was quite fortunate to get a job at the time uh, in finance. I think it was obviously some of it was luck. Uh, luck also self-selected a really good firm out of kind of lots and lots of firms out there because many companies that weren't doing so well weren't hiring. Uh, So I landed at Majedi Asset Management, uh, which is a fund management company, uh, a sort of a boutique that managed kind of 15 to 18 billion sterling. And it was kind of hiring people. And I started my life as an analyst on the hedge fund team. Uh, So there was a hedge fund in-house. So we basically started to learn how to analyze stocks, how to make investment decisions, And I essentially worked my way up, did the CFA, all of the typical things you can imagine, and eventually got promoted to co-manage a UK income fund, uh, which I did for about six years, managing it with with a chap named Chris Reed, And we ran it together, reasonably successful at building a business and producing good returns. And then about in 2019, I decided to leave and go and do another master's this time in a completely different area called bi- in biotech enterprise. So just a sector that I was quite interested in. Um, I also decided to start writing a blog because uh, one of the things I wanted to do was keep in touch with financial markets. Uh, so I started a blog called Snippet Finance. Uh, so Snippet is a it's just essentially me trying to find interesting things on the internet and more widely that I think are interesting, different and I put them all online. Mainly it's catered to finance, although there's a little bit of general kind of stuff there as well. And the idea is to sort of you know, impress people, inform them, and inspire them. Um, and it's all sort of delivered in short and easy-to-digest way. And uh, I, so I did my master's for another year, finished that this summer, and now I'm looking to, well, looking to, launching my own fund. Uh, so I'm building Mountain Pass Capital, I sort of, it sounds glorious, but it's basically like a startup, how you imagine. We're working in a home office, working really, really hard. We're going to launch the fund at the end of the year. Um, so, very, very busy with that. So, yeah, that's kind of roughly my, my background and how I got here to where I am today.
0: Uh, inspiring stuff. I'm going to take you back to when you were at university. So, you studied economics at Cambridge and then you did a master's in economics at NSC. You've also worked as an economics research associate. So how would you say your degree and that economics background, you know, does that help you at all in your job? And if so, how?
1: Yeah, re- a really interesting question. I kind of, a couple of years after university, I asked myself the same question of how useful was the degree? Because what I genuinely found is, and I, I probably entered the part of finance that's probably the broadest where economics can be used quite widely. And what you find is, in the w- world out there, there's a, probably a version of economics that's very different to academic economics. It's more, it uses heuristics, it's more focused on understanding what is out there rather than forming hypotheses and models. And in, in that way, that kind of understanding of how the economic machine actually works is helpful. Uh, but what I also really found was starting in 2009, it felt to me that academic economics was maybe a little bit behind having kind of missed the financial crisis. Uh, A lot of that goes into the old roots of economics, which is that, you know, financial issues possibly don't, shouldn't really matter to real economic output. Uh, And the truth is, is that the, the profession and particularly people who are practicing things out there in the financial world were left scrambling for new ideas and new theories. So I spent a little bit of time reading what new researchers at places like the World Bank and the IMF were writing about collateral and financial systems and the impact of those on economies and things like quantitative easing as well. So I'd say knowing a little bit of economics helped me grasp those quite complicated topics, but in general the the subject itself is applied very differently in the real world, especially in the financial world than it is in, in university. So I would say what you should try to focus on with your degree is develop tools you know like statistical analysis tools or critical reasoning tools and those things are the things you should take with you to the workplace and apply those and that's what uh, university careers are really good at the other thing is obviously you all know out there studying at LSE isn't a joke it's a lot of work and I think that kind of prepares you really well for the world of work which is also you know as the name gives it away a lot of work Um, so I think those were the, the major kind of things that helped me along on the economics front
0: moving on to macroeconomic trends what do you think are examples of just economic trends that are present in the world at the moment that just simply aren't being talked about enough
1: right that's a really really good question i really like the way you phrased that in terms of kind of things that are not being talked about a lot because in investing that's very very important to sort of think about the things that are maybe not necessarily on the front page of the ft um I write about a lot of this kind of stuff or pick up this kind of stuff on Snippet. So if if, you, if any of you are interested, do check it out. I'm sure we will attach the website link to, to this when we send out the podcast. But it's basically, I think there are a lot of really interesting things because the noise of the headlines is so, so loud, uh, particularly with respect to the election and COVID and Brexit. Um, but underlying there, I would say, my attention has been drifting a little bit towards trade policy, which used to be a big issue and I think is going to surface again when COVID sort of calms down, unfortunately, um, with the vaccine and things like that. Um, and I think those could be something that should you should probably, everybody should be thinking about and starting to prepare for the consequences of potentially economic trouble and war down the line in that sense, like an economic war, trade war, uh, particularly as Britain starts to sort of jostle for position. You can already see that with the Airbus news uh, earlier t- uh, this week, I think it was today actually even. So I think you, you, that's really, really something to to watch out for. And then the other one is, and I know a lot of people will say this is geopolitics, but you know, it's very important to watch what's kind of happening in parts of the world that you might not necessarily be focused on things like the Middle East and just what's going on economically in terms of the economic pressures in some countries and what's going kind of on geopolitically in terms of different you know minister. Prim- I mean I'm not going to get into the details but the the normalization of relations between certain countries the certain moves by other countries all of these things will have ramifications 10 years down the line and you need to be thinking about those now uh, they often manifest themselves in commodity markets. So my my advice is kind of, if you're really interested in really thinking about big macro trends, commodity markets are always quite a good place to look for news about things that maybe will hit broader headlines down the line. So those would be my sort of top two picks. Think about those. And in general, do try to hunt out for things that are not necessarily front page of the news.
0: Speaking of the pandemic, arguably the most significant event of 2020. Well, don't think anyone really is really debating that. But what were your three biggest takeaways from COVID-19? And was there anything that surprised you about the pandemic? Oh,
1: I, I mean, again, a really, really good question. Um, I, I think it's it's important to take a little bit of, it's difficult when you were still in it to sort of take stock of the situation and to to learn the lessons and the things that surprised you. I wasn't really in financial markets at the time, which was sort of a huge volatile swings. I mean, I think most investors were looking at stock markets in, in March and, and were just going like they'd never seen these kinds of moves in their life. Because if you think about my investing career, it was pretty much, you know, there was a lot of volatility, but stocks didn't really do minus 10 days every day. Um, it's, so that was something that maybe surprised me a bit, but it's more sort of watching with awe than sort of surprise. Because... A lot of the way the stock markets have set up these days is, is for big volatile moves like that. I think the other thing that really has, I've been massively surprised is reading and just affirmed my belief that I had a belief of this, but it's just surprised me the extent of this is just the immense ingenuity of human beings when their kind of back is up against the wall. I mean, I spent a year learning about biotech and I can tell you how fabulously difficult it is to design a vaccine to to test to bring it to market and to be able to do that within this period of time is not just unprecedented it's like tenfold unprecedented no one's ever been able to do this and it's done 10 times faster than it's ever been done before and a lot of people aren't aware but product manufacturing is often the biggest problem and there were people putting down manufacturing capacity of hundreds of millions of dollars in technologies that weren't necessarily proven yet ahead of the vaccine being approved, and just the collective effort of society around of of globally of countries to solve a problem when faced with it was just something really, really that surprised me quite frankly and I think that that's one lesson that I've always had in investing which is try not to bet against human ingenuity you can at certain times but this has really affirmed that belief um, the other thing is that I, I, there was a little big debate going on about you know whether this is a permanent change the way things are and I think most people say that but they don't possibly think about what change really means and uh, I've been reading a few interesting things about that in terms of of how long habits take to form and things like that and I think my you know the debate is is probably still shifting around and I've been a bit surprised as to how many people have sided with oh change is permanent Uh, but I have read a bit of scientific literature on this and I and apparently it takes about 66 days median to form a habit so as in for it to be a permanent thing and we've been in lockdown for longer than that in most developed countries and so it probably is getting to the point where some habits will form, but I don't think the way people see the world as completely changed is maybe going to persist into the future. But that that sort of has has surprised me, the level of debate about the change. Um, so those will be probably two takeaways, which I think is it's a good effort to come up with two things because it's still ongoing and, and a lot of what how this impacted the world is going to still be written about in books and articles for the next few years for sure.
0: My Next question. This may be more relevant for our listeners, but you know, you know, I've personally attended your finance with Yuri series and you know I'm sure many of our listeners would have also. And I really remember you emphasizing the importance of having a critical approach, critical approach, sorry, when reading the financial news. So for our listeners, what would you say is the best way to develop this critical approach?
1: Mm, I think that's a really good thing to start develop early. Um I think you know, when you're doing your schoolwork and you're looking, reading papers and understanding academic ideas, try to imagine that those are just ideas that were presented. And at some point, those ideas might have gone against the fold of what everyone else believed and how the pioneers of those ideas might have had to argue and fight and produce evidence to to support those things. And the, the quicker you realize that The body of knowledge has been built through this sort of process, the more you will understand how as new ideas and new things are written about, it's the same sort of process and that you should be applying the same sort of critical thinking that the pioneers of those ideas and and their critics to their credit as well have applied. And so it's always good to apply a very healthy dose of, of kind of skepticism and 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 cynicism but those two are, are actually quite different things and you they really do need to be in balance but you do need to question things i think it's always a really good idea to say and then what so if you're reading a financial news article try to imagine okay i'm reading this piece of information what does it mean two three years down the line is it even relevant two three years down the line that that i think is a very very important thing the other way to do critical thinking is try to ask yourself What's kind of everybody else thinking about this issue? And, you know, where, what do I personally think about this issue? And where could we maybe differ in our views about this? And the better you understand what other people are thinking, the more you'll sort of understand where you deviate from that. And it starts to kind of, um, you start building this belief system where, there's the consensus out there of ideas and then your own ideas and have confidence in your own ideas. And then you'll be able to, to build an analytical framework that allows you to critically look at the world and understand it better. I mean, r- really, it's about confidence in your own I- ability to, to, to say something, even if it's about something you really don't know very much about, but you will be able to have a view. You know, you can tell me if you think Microsoft or Google are a buy or the German economy is going to perform better than the Chinese economy over a certain period of time. You have that ability, especially since you're studying at LSE, you have the tools available to you. So if uh, some professor is writing about it, question them and think about whether you believe and agree with these things and have supporting evidence to to kind of support your views. But it it is about building this sort of network, do you you see what I mean? Like an analytical framework Mm -hmm. and, and practicing it a lot that you'll get really good at this. As investors, we are you know, essentially very cynical about everything and try to question everything because you know, the moment you've made an investment and you've put real money behind it and you've been wrong is the moment you start to learn that maybe some of the things you really believed in before weren't true. And therefore, maybe some of the things you're reading aren't necessarily true. So that that's always really good. And the top tips I would give, I know that's kind of a long-winded approach, build that kind of framework and then try to use kind of heuristic tools, like I said, which is you know, and then what is a really good question. Or wake up in the morning and be like, what do I firmly believe? You know, and why do I believe the things I believe? And what does everybody else believe about those things? And the more you disassociate yourself in that way and build this framework and practice it in real life, the better you'll get at critically reasoning about things. Um, and it, it does improve with time. I, I mean I was very, very bad at it at university. And over time you get much, much better at it. It is, it does have to do with confidence and practice as well.
0: And finally, as our conversation comes to a close, do you just have any uh, bits of parting advice for you know any undergrads that may be listening to the podcast?
1: Yeah, look, I'd say a couple of things. I think the first thing is, you know, I have I experience what it's like applying and building your sort of applications and applying in a in a very difficult environment, and I would say a lot of it has to do with a lot more has to do with the kind of luck and than you think it does, and you just have to keep at it and send lots of applications and don't give up and This is what I did you know I literally sent a hundred applications i I remember this very well, uh, so so don't give up something will come your way most likely the 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 other sort of I guess parting piece of advice about that whole job market thing is the world of work is really different to university. The moment you leave university, you start to realize that. And these sort of rigid structures that maybe are around you right now in terms of kind of internships and all of these things, they're not quite what it's like in the real world. I know some fabulously successful people who started out as photographers and artists and lot, there's lots and lots of different paths to success. And make sure you're taking the path that you're really enjoying. And there, you know, it's a minute number of people I know who are really, really, really great and outstanding took, you know, just the path of an internship, uh, you know, and then two years as an analyst and investment banking. And, you know, the one that's kind of taught to all of us is that. And I'm not saying that that isn't a good experience. I mean, those things are fantastic experience. But there's lots of different ways to get to the same objective, whatever your objective might be. So don't worry about it so much but it's very difficult for me and kind of easier for me to say that having been through that and also having gone that route. And then the final bit of advice is use every experience as a learning point to learn about what you want. As I, you know, you can see, I tried to work, I worked at EBS, at Goldman Sachs. I didn't end up in any of those places for my full-time job. And the, the reason is that I didn't, you know, I was offered a place at Goldman Sachs and it it, it just wasn't for me and I think the more you use these experiences to learn what is for you and what you like, the, the happier and more successful you'll be in the future. So those will be my three bits of parting advice um, and thanks a lot for having me on. I, I probably should mention it and I keep mentioning snippets like, you know, one of the things that I have seen quite a lot and I've done a lot of interviewing people and done a lot of interviews myself, it's you have to Show intellectual curiosity in the financial world and the investing world. And you have to read a lot. And, you know, snippet is a good way to find interesting things to read, but there are lots of other ways out there as well. Uh, So I would say read a lot and try to read interesting things that are maybe not quite your run of the mill FT.
0: Yuri, it's just been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. And it's just a privilege to have you on Focal Point. Thanks a lot for just giving up your time to. And sure. sharing your insights um, I'm sure our listeners will find this really rewarding and I've personally found it really insight, insightful and interesting
1: absolutely and, and I should say and I say this I, I, you know every time I to speak to students you know I'm, I'm happy to help people out if you know I, I, I don't write applications or anything like that but you know if you have a question or you're wondering about something just connect with me on LinkedIn and drop me a message I do my best to, to reply and you know good luck with everything out there